If you liked hearing Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson provide secrets on negotiating for total compensation, dealing with microaggressions, or simply being able to just be your authentic self, then welcome to season two of Secrets. Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets Season 2, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share their adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. Here are your hosts. Hey, Ricky, how you doing? What's going on today, my brother? Hey, KP, man, I can't believe this is our 35th episode. 35, series, 35. Man. That's man, crazy. We went over here trying to do the damn thing, right? Yeah. So, but, you know, we've been bringing a lot of gems to our listeners over the past year, and it's been like a lot of fun, man. It I mean, has been. And, it really and has. some of these topics are kind of, because some of our listeners have sent us in topics, they've made suggestions, you know, some of those things, and hey, it's like like we, we said it. before, we there's, there's never a shortage of material. Never, never. <laughs> Gifts that keeps on giving. <laughs> right. And look, it's been a lot of fun. But in all seriousness, we would be remiss to not acknowledge that little more than one year ago, George Floyd was murdered. Yeah. You yeah. know, and right now we are getting questions from senior leaders at all levels from companies asking for advice on how to acknowledge Uh, that that particular stain on our history, given that many of the employees are now asking them as leaders to show them their receipts. Yeah, no doubt. You know, they want to know, what what we going to do? What we going to do? How (laughs) are we going to respond to this? Exactly. And and you're right. And, you know, in this moment, we definitely want to say rest in power, George, and, and we miss you and wish you were still with us. But we are hopeful and hopefully seeing Mm-hmm. The beginning of some change in policing and racial reckoning in the country. And today we have another angle for you. You know, in addition you know, to all of that, uh, Keith, I mean, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yep. Right. Yep. And it's also Asian um, and Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month as well. Sure is. So we couldn't let this month slip by without us bringing attention to issues our AAPI colleagues face in the workplace as well. So we're going to try to flip this today and pay respect to a lot of our followers, you know, today with this topic. No doubt. And I agree, Ricky. And this is a timely conversation given all the renewed focus on and the recent number of incidents of Asian hate crimes and killings and discriminations that we're experiencing in our country right now, right? Those murders that happened in Georgia a few weeks back. And the attacks on all of these API elders that are happening in numerous communities across the country are just a few examples of some of the things that are being faced by our Asian and Asian Pacific Islander uh, colleagues. And Ricky, do you realize that reported hate crimes against Asian in 16 of the nation's largest cities and counties is up 164 percent since this time last year and over a over a dozen of the largest police jurisdictions have reported that not reported 95 anti-Asian hate crimes in the first quarter of 2021 versus just 36 last year. And I am just going to take a guess. <laughs> I'm pretty positive that those numbers are underreported. So what the fuck is going on? 
we know what's going on here, right? It's like we've we've been head in the sand, you know, yeah. for so long, and people don't want to really report the truth, you yeah. know, and then when it comes out, now you have to kind of deal with it. Right. You know, so look, man, I, I think those numbers are just ridiculous to me. And not to be overly political, but, you know, I can't help myself from time to time. But a lot of this started as, you know, Trump referred to the coronavirus as the Kung flu. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the China virus, mm-hmm. right? That gave yep. permission to other idiots to start to, acting out, to be able to, to, to show their ass and start saying stuff in similar fashion. Right. Which led um, into highly charged debates about testing, wearing masks and vaccines, you know, and our AAPI colleagues are suffering as a result of this racist language and the lingering effects of, you know, having to, to work around the myth of being the model minority. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think this will make a great episode today. And what we'll do in today's episode, we'll talk about some of the history of the AAPI experience in America. We will discuss that model minority myth that you just talked about and how it has been used to create divides among underrepresented populations, as well as social justice links between the AAPI community and the black community. We'll also, as we always do, we're going to have some receipts on what it's like uh, to be AAPI in the workplace. And we'll close out today with a double dose of secrets on how AAPI employees can juice their own careers and how organizations can better support their Asian and Asian Pacific Island employees. Well, so look, man, this is about to be some fire. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> about to be some fire. So, like, again... Before we start kind of jumping into it, let's maybe kind of set the stage with maybe just a few definitions, you know, and in some of the history, you yeah. know, here. Right. Yeah. So in terms of our AAP, uh, AAPI history in America, like let's start out the discussion by admitting that we are not claiming to be experts, right. you know, on the AAPI experience. Keith and I are not yeah, experts. That's okay? right. No doubt. We're just telling you about the shit we see. Yes. Okay. And For we sure. have... As we always do, receipts to back up what we talk about. No okay, um, but we felt it was necessary to actually have this discussion on secrets, given that what's going on in the country in recognition um, of AAPI Heritage Month, right? And we will have um, in the future. I mean, you know, we we got no a doubt. lot of people, we got you a know, lot of we can talk to, and we have folks who want to be on the show. But we wanted to be able to set the ground and have this discussion amongst us first, right? But we're gonna have some um, AAPI guests on the podcast in the future to discuss this topic in greater detail. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, so, so let me again, you know, start out by pointing out that the AAPI uh, history in America has been whitewashed, similarly to black history. No, yeah, right? you, it's true. <laughs> like, it's true. It's been like, I don't know what they do. They get that bleach out and just start like... And start telling you, you know, history that wasn't actually true. Right. And if you say it enough times, you believe it yourself. You believe it. Right? <laughs> so the late 1800s and the early 1900s saw lynchings of Chinese uh, people for taking jobs away from whites. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Okay. And, and, and again, this is we, we talk about the jobs that Chinese people were doing when they came over here. Very similar to the jobs that we see some of our uh, Latinx people doing today. doing today. Similar jobs that we saw to our uh, relatives, you know, having to do with the sharecropping and everything. We're talking about jobs that they didn't even want to do. Didn't even want to do. <laughs> okay. But they getting lynched. Right. So 
The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 denied immigration, voting rights, and due process to Asians. Boy, this is sound of familiar. Isn't it though? Isn't it though? Like it's like a bad recording in here or something. And the U.S. created internment camps for Japanese American uh, Americans during World War II. Yet you rarely hear about any of this in our history books. Like yeah, it's almost it's like, like nothing. It's almost like ghostwriting. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So nor do we celebrate the achievements of AAPI citizens. Yeah. So just look, nothing. So so you see what we're talking about already. You already. see where we get ready to go with this. We're, we're about to keep on peeling back this onion. We going. We going in. And America's been a little sneaky about creating tensions between Asians and black people, right? And here's a perfect example. So in general, and I mean, we have family members all over the place, all over the country. And I say in general, black people have always held a pretty liberal ideology when it comes to immigration. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, we were brought over here by force, but if other people want to come and experience this, come on in. It's not a big deal, right? But, in 1965, the U.S. ended quota-based immigration and began this hyper-selection process targeting highly skilled immigrants, <laughs> right? <laughs> highly skilled, huh? And this was particularly true where they really targeted Koreans coming into the country, right? So, because they were highly skilled, highly educated, ran their own businesses, you know, were pretty successful in, in Korea. But once these Koreans came to America, they discovered that they weren't able to achieve the same level of employment opportunities and economic success as they were in their homeland, right? Mm-hmm. So they started to become small business owners at the end of the day. And they would set up shop in predominantly black communities because that's basically where the they could have access to credit, access to real estate, yep. all those different things. And so they would set up in these black communities. Now, can we talk about redlining again? Can we talk about it yet again, right? <laughs> Here's the other part. So, before the Koreans got here, all during World War II, blacks were already distrustful of Koreans because we had been indoctrinated, you know, that Koreans were not were bad people because we were at war with them during the Korean War. Right. right. So, now they're coming over here and moving into our communities mm-hmm. and taking up our shit, right? Yep. And Koreans were also distrustful of black people because they read in the media about how black people, we lazy, we uneducated, we violent, we poor, all this shit. And then we wonder why Korean businesses were burnt to the damn ground during the Rodney King incident. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy about how we've uh, we talk about the whitewashing of uh, the education, but we also talk about. You know, in previous episodes of how we want you to believe something, we say it enough times. Mm -hmm. So you can see why Muhammad Ali, which is the greatest athlete of all time. Okay. But you can see why he was like viled as an athlete, you know, Mm -hmm. by, you know, white uh, people. They want to get the truth out. Right, right. Because they were like, he's Muslim. Uh, He doesn't want to go fight uh, for his country. You know, all of these. Now, Now, let's not talk about how many politicians. Have did not, the same thing. Yeah. I mean, That's talking right. about my man talking about he had bad feet. Bad you, feet, You know, right. and everything else. But all of these things, like these are issues. Is a, I don't want to fight them because I don't have anything against them. Right. I don't want to do these things because of this, that, and the other. But we label it as patriotism. 
mm-hmm. you know, and everything else, no, right? But stuff. again, we talked about the redlining. We talked about how you get in certain communities in the in, in in the first place. We talk about the lending practices. We talk about the education practices. So they put us all in this little all jacked this, up area, and then try and make us fight against each other. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. 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 Interesting. <laughs> so KP, as you know, I was living in LA during the Rodney King uprisings, right? Those tensions have been building for years. I mean, 30 years yeah, in, in the making, right? Because yeah. we're talking about all the nonsense that happened in the 60s. Right. Okay, and we had, you know, our sister on here talking, up, you know, Elaine Brown talking about the shit she was dealing with in the 60s. Yeah. Like, all of this type of stuff, right? As we wrap up, um, wrap up uh, some of this history, it's not lost on me that we tend to talk about racism. Mm-hmm. In doing so, we actually exclude the experiences of other minority groups, yeah. particularly our AAPI brothers and sisters, no right? No they are just expected to assimilate. Mm-hmm. And many people feel like they don't um, experience any type of racism and discrimination at all. At all. Exactly. And this is a great segue into talking about that model minority myth that you brought up at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. And to set the stage, Ricky, you know, Asian Americans are often labeled by white people as being the model minority. Yep. The one that the rest of us should aspire aspire to be mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And this this is a myth that stereotypes AAPI people as law-abiding citizens with high academic achievement, hard work, self-sufficiency, discipline, Mm -hmm. intelligence, all of these adjectives that they put around Asian folks. And the image is painted that the AAPI community is quiet and reserved and submissive, right? In direct contrast to how Black and Latinx people act. Right. We like to show our ass. But look at them over there. They quiet. They Uh, just go with the flow, not causing any trouble. And what happens with all of this is that the API community suffers from what I've coined the three little bear syndrome because they're either too hot, too cold, and hopefully they just right. Yep. Yep. Right. At the end of the day. And I've heard, you know, some of my Asian friends say that, especially females, that if they act to the stereotype of being quiet and nice, then they're called lotus flowers or china dolls. How derogatory (laughs) is that? Right? (laughs) This is crazy. You know, they're highly exotic and they're highly eroticized, right? Uh, At the end of the day. And they kind of lack leadership capabilities. But on on the hand, they say too much. They're called dragon ladies. If they try to exert any sort of opinion or leadership, all this is just crazy. It's just I mean, it's it's sickening is is what it is. Right. It's it's sickening. And again, I I know people sometimes think we're making shit up, Keith, and we're just getting emotional and dramatic about things. But you start thinking about there's a very similar story as we talk about black people, brown people, our Asian, you know, comrades like it's a very similar if you're not white. We got something to talk about. Just all to talk about. That's right. <laughs> you know, we got something to talk about. However, this model minority myth has also been used to hold the AAPI community back from leadership positions. Yeah. Right? I mean, look, I work in HR. Yeah. Okay. Like, you see it every day. <laughs> listen, I've heard over 30 years of myself 
just some of the descriptions when we talk about people's potential, we start speaking about their ability to lead at scale, mm-hmm. some of those things, like the, all of these things start to, you know, to, to, to rear their, their dirty here. So they're often overlooked as being executive ready talent. Yep. Okay. Not quite ready yet. Right. When discussing women, we often talk about the glass ceiling. Okay, that comes up. For AAPI employees, the lack of leadership representation has been coined the bamboo ceiling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. not making it up. But not this is it this up. is what they say within the uh, community. The bamboo ceiling. The stereotypes perpetuated in the model minority stereotype used to divide the races is also used to keep AAPI employees from leadership positions. Sure is. Like this is all this like is permeated all. and it just keeps adding on and adding just on. Just keeps going. And uh, it also becomes a bit of a double-edged sword in that AAPI employees uh, that seek leadership roles and show dominant culture characteristics are often then criticized for not being a Typical Asian. <laughs> so it's kind of like you're damned if you, you do, do and yeah. you're damned if you don't, right? I'm trying to do, I'm trying to assimilate, I'm trying to do these things, but then you still got some slick shit to say. Always. <laughs> it's crazy, it, always. Man. it is crazy. Rick, you're so right about this. And it's 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 nuts. And you know me. So I'm a data guy, and I had to do a little research on this whole model uh minority myth, right? And how it came to be. And of course. They sprang some some racist shit mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right? So this term of model minority was first coined in the 1960s. Th- that, that infamous time, the 1960s, 1960s, is when a lot of shit went down. A lot down. of shit went down, right? By this sociologist, and I'm going to call her white supremacist probably. His <laughs> name was uh, William Peterin. Mm-hmm. So when the civil rights movement was in full swing, so this guy came up with this term, model minority, right? Mm -hmm. White people started creating success stories about Japanese Americans who they had just had in internment camps for damn 10, 15, 20 years prior. They started creating success stories about how Japanese Americans were able to rebuild and assimilate into American society, despite being forced into these internment camps or forced into military service during World War II, right? And Japanese Americans were used as a weapon to discredit the civil rights movement and the black leaders who were leading the movement in fighting for racial and economic justice and systemic change. Oh my God, man! <laughs> like just just like the the sheer planning in the in the right. in the systemic yes you know part of this right just insidious like, yeah it wasn't like somebody just uh did it one time I and mean, we there was a system there's, you know here there's a this, plan right? yeah there's a plan uh, it was a bigger plan but you know what man like i see um and have experienced some solidarity between you know the black community and the asian community mm-hmm. and i you know I, I can't necessarily speak to the other ones i'm talking about what i see right okay what i've what i've experienced and despite popular belief the black and AAPI communities have partnered together on social justice for like a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, think back in the days of Frederick Douglass. You know, he was leading, he was like the leading voice in opposing the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. Yeah. So the go. brother was joint like was, he was, was championing that cause. Then. Okay. For more than a decade before the act even passed, Douglas spoke out on behalf of Chinese immigration and continued to do so until his death. Yeah. This is kind of huge because we talk about reciprocation and yeah. do we see people, you know, um, 
fighting for causes for communities that aren't necessarily their own. That's right. You know, those types of things. We got an example here of a That's brother right. that was putting That's in right. work, you know, for that community. Injustice is injustice. No matter what. That's I right. Think, I think MLK said it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no tell. And black people were also leading voices against the Philippine-American War from mm-hmm. 1899 to 1913, the Vietnam War from 1955 to 1975, you know, speaking out against American colonialism and the drafting of black Americans to fight on the front lines and Asian Americans to fight on the front lines, despite our lack of rights in the U.S., right? And then we had AAPI leaders, leaders Ones I had never even heard of until I started doing a little research, right? Mm-hmm. Like Grace Lee Boggs and Yuri uh, Kachiyama, mm-hmm. who teamed up with black activists like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X to fight for labor rights and tenant rights and other civil rights. Yuri, in fact, was the person who was in the pictures cradling Malcolm's head right after he was shot. Mm. Japanese-American, right? And she later became very good friends with Tupac Shakur. She was in the struggle for a long time. Look, man. I mean, again, we're talking about this, this, this relationship, right. you know, here, right? That's been in, in existence. Now we don't talk about this, right? We had to do some research to had find to out about this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because it ain't in the textbooks. Yeah. No. Hey, I, I completely understand. We got to look the shit up. Okay. Um. And again, they say if you want to hide something, just hide it in the book. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> they something? didn't burn that shit in the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even you you want to hide something, hide it in the book. Won't nobody ever find it. Right. So as you, uh, you, you know, you know, my prestige, you know, alma mater, right? yes. the San the. Francisco state, you know, was a, a, a leader in, in the civil rights, you know, activism stage. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was some. Some, was. some giants, you know, there, right? So the first black student union, like we got all these black student That's unions right. all out All across there, right? the country. <laughs> the first black student union was actually started at San Francisco State, wow. you know, yep. which then led to the formation of the Third World Liberation Front to bring AAPI and uh, Latinx voices into the civil rights and anti-war movement. That's amazing. Go on, San Francisco That's State. That's what we do, man. That's what you did. Look at them gators, man. <laughs> we kick up some dust, man. That's what we do. <laughs> and I'm really proud of of young activists even today, such as tennis player, you know, like Naomi Osaka. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, she is really using her profile and her platform to speak out against black and Asian hate. Those masks she was sporting last year at the U.S. Open in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and the blacks who had been killed by police. I mean, that was amazing. Right? I mean, it was all over the world. It was in every newspaper across the world. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's something as simple as that, you know, was really impactful, yeah. right? Because you're like, if she's willing to put her endorsements, her career, all of these things on the line to to denounce, mm-hmm. you know, some of these things, then why, why why aren't other people doing it? Yep. Okay. Step to the plate. Which, which which kind of brings me to like the impact, right? Mm-hmm. The impact here is is actually serious, right? The AEPI uh, community has been counted with respect to ethnic diversity numbers. You know, when you're talking about, you know, high tech and engineering and whatnot, like we we count on them because it shows how diverse in terms of numbers, right. you know, our organizations are, right? So they provide a service, you know, to that degree for corporate America. But we have undervalued their voices in creating sustainable change for them with respect to leadership roles and pay. Yeah. Like, the shit don't add up. The shit don't add up. Like, we getting something out of you? 
That's right. But we're not giving it back, you, you know, in equality there. We're not, not giving all. it back. Not equity. at all. That's kind of the corporate okie doke. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's on full display, right? When it comes to our Asian Asian uh, uh, friends. And, you know, they love, you know, when you're providing a service or accolades for them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, those corporations do. But they silent when you cry more for them, right? This is like, this is almost like checkers, too, right? The, the AAPI people, and other minorities, we the pawns. Yeah. We, yeah. we were protecting the queendom and mm-hmm. the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But shit. Yeah, just just be patient. Keith. Don't try and get in the castle. Yeah, just be patient. Well, you're gonna get your chance. That's yeah, right. Don't 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 be take, just don't don't rush it. Just be patient, right? So, I mean, I think there's so many negative impacts of like this whole situation, and especially like the model minority myth. Yeah. Right. Yep. I think um, the first thing that comes to mind for me in terms of negative impacts is having to choose between like erasure, exclusion, or assimilation. Like, yeah. that's a tough-ass decision, right. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you speak one thing at home, you speak something different at work, you know, like, you 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 can't really be you. Like, we talk about this that's all the time. That's right, with authentic self. Yeah, we talk about this all, all the time in terms of the authenticity here is, again, you have to choose between whether you erase your heritage and your culture and just don't even talk about it, or you... Um, excluded and only talk about it with certain people Mm -hmm. or whatever the case is, because we already know that other folks aren't going to do the research and do it or educate themselves on where you're from. I mean, we get it all the time. Is it okay if I just call you this? It's easier for me. No, we had an episode on that. (laughs) No, call me by my name. Exactly. Exactly. Or assimilation. Like finally, if you want to be in this game, you just gonna have to learn these plays. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what right. it is. That's what it is. That's right. Another uh, impact of this kind of minor, model minority myth is it continues to further these divisions uh, between the races, right, and the tensions that are there. And that was the whole game to begin with. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, 50, 60 years later, it's still doing it, right? Because when you hold somebody up above somebody else, mm-hmm. it just naturally creates. These tension points. Yeah. No. And, and again, okie doke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and it's like, you know you're not crazy, right? You know, like I'm feeling tense. I'm a little tight about something. But the minute you say something about it. Right. You're not to model yeah, it anymore. That's right. That's right. Now you're trouble. <laughs> exactly. You're causing trouble. Yeah. Um, so, so look, I think the other one for me, though, is. Like decreased management and leadership opportunities. Like you know, you you know me. It's if I'm busting my ass, if I'm producing, I need to be getting. I need to be respected. Yes. You know, with my pay, with my titling, all those. This is about generational wealth. That's right. Generational wealth. So, but because there is decreased management and leadership opportunities, there's a discrepancy or an inequity, as we said too before, with. You know, with with, with the, the 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 total comp, all of those things. All those things. Rep- like, you, if the decreased management and the leadership opportunities just aren't there, and all that compounds. Yeah, just compounds year after year. It's generational, no doubt. And the final one for me, Ricky, is the strain on mental health. And we've been talking about this over and over again, but it is real for every underrepresented a community that there is, right? Mm-hmm. And so those feelings of being inadequate, not being able to live up to that model minority myth, right? Feeling inadequate, having high stress levels, having anxiety, all those things will pop up 
Yeah. You know, when people put you on this pedestal and asking you to live up to that and you feel like you need to. And those mental health issues then turn into other health issues. Yes. Other underlying health issues. No because doubt. again, we can go to the facts and kind of look at who's impacted, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of health. But all of these factors ends up being one more thing. One more thing. You know, that ends up happening. One but more but thing. again, Keith, look, we've been talking all of this time, you know, about what we see, what it means to us, giving some examples. And I think there's still some people out there who say, man, they just talk and they just trying to capitalize on the moment and, and right. talk about this stuff. But Keith, this is the point where we kind of hit them with these receipts, right? The receipts. This, this, this is right. fact, right? We didn't make shit up. We didn't make it up. But again, we opened up the book because it was hidden in there. That's okay? right. And now we're getting ready to show you all what we found. What so, we Keith, found. so why don't you start hitting them with these receipts? Yeah, and today we'll share some receipts about representation and the experiences of our AAPI uh, community in the workplace. And the first receipt is about this concept of the bamboo ceiling. It is real. And according to Forbes, Asian Americans represent 13 percent of professionals in the U.S., right? But only six percent of executives and only one point five percent of corporate officer positions. So the C-suite, the actual C-suite. Further, white men and white women are 150 percent more likely than Asians to hold an executive role in a company. 150 percent. Yes, more likely. And it's even worse for AAPI women who are the most likely demographic group to hold a graduate degree, but the least likely to hold positions within three, three reporting levels of the CEO or even have line or supervisory responsibilities. Okay, so so look, I mean. So we're talking about lines below the CEO. So the CEO is the is the chief. Yeah. Then we probably have some like an the SVP. Chiefs that, the chiefs that report to, yeah, the, to, yeah. to him. We probably got SVP or chief reporting to them. That's that's one level. Right. Then you got then we, VPs. Then you got VPs. Then you probably have senior directors. Yes. So we're saying it's rare for like, you know, our AAPI individuals to even get past director. Right. Right. <laughs> and most don't even get even line of supervisory responsibility. They just put individual contributor roles. I mean, this is like this is crazy. This is the stench. This is it. This is the stench right here. This is the price you pay for being a model minority. Yeah, exactly. Look, man, receipt number two and EEOC data points uh, out that the AAP white collar professionals are the least likely group to be promoted into management than any other group. Look, we just talked about, we broke yeah, it down. That's right. We saw in the, in the receipt that's before right. that, right? And in the Bay Area, okay, we're talking in the, this is the, where we live. the, the high tech capital, you know, of, of the world, right? That's Even right. though there's some other places that are out there, the Bay Area is the place where we live and and has the largest AAPI population in the U.S. Yes. Okay. Like I'm just setting the stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. The EELC data showed that AAPI employees comprised 50% of the employees at tech firms. 50%. 50%. Half. Half. Okay. But only 29% of executives, while white employees comp- uh, comprised 40% of the workforce. Yes. And 65% of the executive positions. There you go. So I need, so as a white leader, I know what's best and I can show you, Yes. you know, how to do it. I right? You, right. Okay. So side note, okay. Blacks make up 2% of employees and Hispanics 5%. 
but I don't want to get distracted or digress. Okay, because <laughs> we'll save that conversation for another episode. Yes, we will. But but think about again. I always just kind of come back to the math. Now, Keith, I know you're like the finance person. You the you, you the math person, but you know I keep my calculator close by and. This shit don't seem to add up. It like don't I, add can, up. I can use toes and fingers, <laughs> and like it just it just doesn't make sense to you me. You don't even need them. That's right. Fifty percent, and we only talking half of that is executives. Yeah, and then you got to flip on the other side. Yeah. Ah oh, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, receipt number three, we go back to our old friendly pal, the Harvard Business Review. Yep, we be wearing them out. Wearing them out. It shows that Asian Americans are disproportionately held back from leadership roles that we've been talking about. And the research cites numerous reasons for this gap. The first one, actually, is this concept of the model minority myth. It actually hurts this mm. community by holding them up as a model of success and just erasing the struggles that they're facing, ignoring the wide disparity between different Asian American communities. Not all Asians are communities are alike. Mm -hmm. There are mm -hmm. wide disparities between, you know, the haves and the have nots. And these cultural differences also drive this leadership gap. Asian values typically enter emphasize humility and deference to a third authority, whereas Western culture values leaders as masculine and dictatorial and charismatic. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, you know, our AAPI employees are often seen as fitting lower to middle management positions versus these top level leadership roles. And we've been talking about this, right? This, they're not getting to the sweet seat because they don't have the, you know, that Whatever you want to call it, yeah. <laughs> that we that we prize prize in America, and as we discussed earlier, you know, there's lack of executive representation. It turns out that AAPI employees are the most likely to be promoted to CEO and other executive positions only when an organization is either in decline or there's a crisis, <laughs> right? Right, because there's a belief that AAPI employees are more quote inclined to sacrifice their self-interest to improve the welfare of others. I mean, this <laughs> is, again, you talked about that okey-doke. You talked about that okey-doke earlier, right? This broke the okey-doke down in three phases. Whew. Okay, the model minority myth, which yeah. actually is hurting. Was this hurting? Okay, we talked about the cultural differences, and we, I mean, look, there is a difference between Northern Asians yeah. and, and Southern Asians, right. you know, all of this type of stuff, but you know, corporate America just lumps them all, into one all together. Okay. Lumped we're not even together. talking about, you know, Eastern, you know, or Western, like it's a, like it's, it's a country culture, all of that in itself. Right. Okay. And then lastly, like, again, the lack of uh, executive representation, like this is the okie doke in its finest right. hour. Just, just put them in when, when shit's fucked up. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to keep it in my back pocket. Cause this is going to be one of my reactionary tools. Right. You know, right. to show that I'm and then gonna, I can blame it on them. Yeah. If it I, don't get fixed. Exactly. Exactly. So here. look, man, receipt number four, Look, we like to think of the AAPI uh, community as a singular group. That's like you I just said, talking about. you know, we're not talking about northern, southern, eastern, and western, yeah. right? Uh, we look at them as a singular group. However, the U.S. Census Bureau shows that the roughly 23 million Asian Americans trace their roots to more than 20 different countries. And there is a wide disparity in their experiences in the U.S. Asian Americans. Uh, in that they occupy some of the highest educational attainment and median incomes in the country. But they also occupy 
the lower rung on the poverty and education ladder as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, okay, taking it deeper here. In fact, 12 of the 19 Asian largest groups, which account for 97% of the AAPI population in the U.S., mm-hmm. okay, it tracked, uh, tracked by the Census Bureau show poverty rates as high or higher than the U.S. average. Yeah. So 12 out of the 19 are poor. Not with a, without the OR. Poor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, the number, you can't, you, you can't lie on the numbers. You can't lie on the numbers. You can't lie on the numbers. Now, look, Keith, I know you and I were, you know, talking about, like, uh, one of your friends. Yeah, you know, yeah. Here, right? You know, I mean, you know, I grew up in Virginia Beach. And when we moved to Virginia Beach when I was in uh, fifth grade, that was the very first time I had I had encountered anybody of Asian descent, mm-hmm. believe mm-hmm. it or not. But I had Filipino friends and I had Korean friends, just mm-hmm. to bring this point home. And Filipino folk, you know, in the in the scheme of kind of Asian culture, are kind of considered like the black people mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the Asian community, right? Where Koreans yep. and Japanese and Chinese are considered, you know, the real model. Yeah, yeah. The haves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Model Asians, right? And there was a wide disparity in experience. Yeah. And in terms of jobs that they had, in terms of economics that they had, all those, all those different things. So this this receipt kind of resonated with me on that level uh, because I saw it. I was able to see it up close. Mm-hmm. And there's more have-nots than haves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> at the end of the day of this country in terms of how, how our AAPI friends are treated. Yeah, look, I mean, look, these receipts, if this stuff doesn't make you curious about going out and trying to just research some shit on your own. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it will take. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> because this stuff is actually, you know, pretty sickening. This is like we're talking about the US data. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not talking about some of the things around the world. We kind of kept this just in this bottle right here. So we're talking about the stench. Yes. You know, here from the from the US. So look, Keith, again, we've been talking about you know, uh, we've we've shared our stories. We've talked about like um, some of our uh, receipts that we found. So what I'd like to be able to do right now is to just kind of maybe um, uh, start kind of navigating into these secrets. You know, yeah, like this yeah. is one of the favorite parts of the show when we're trying to now switch from reactionary, you know, to being proactive. No right? doubt. So we have a double dose of secrets for you today as a, a set um, for AA, uh, AAPI employees and the second for you know organizations. So first, we'll start off with the uh, four uh, secrets that AAPI employees can take to improve your career trajectory. Okay, so number one, be proactive. Number two, flex your style. Number three, team up with black employees. And number four, make space for your mental health. So, Keith, so talk to me about secret number one. Yeah, those are some good ones. And secret number one around be be proactive. You got to put your desires out there in the universe, right? So if you don't speak up, like we always say, closed mouths don't get fed. Not at all. Right? So you got to be proactive in going for these development opportunities when they arise. And even if you don't get one opportunity, if you raise your hand, you know, at least it shows that you want to be in the game. Absolutely. At Absolutely. the end of the day. So you're going to have to step up and step out a little bit uh, if, if you want to be seen, because we already know that they undervaluing you and don't see you. Yeah. And, and we're talking about being proactive, like 
practice the plays. You got the playbook. Start practicing the plays because they're going to call you. They, when right. you get in the game. Exactly. They're going to call on you before yeah. they call on us. Yeah, yeah. N- n- know what to do. Know what to do. You know, I mean, because it, it always reminds me. Like, I remember one time, you know, I was uh, on the basketball team. And I didn't really think I was going to play in this game. Right. Like, because I started. But then when I got to the varsity, you know, I was like, I didn't play that much. So one time I didn't have my, my uniform. I had my I had that. The practice, practice gear, the, the sweats on, like like I had the sweatsuit on, but then I have my, I didn't have yeah, my uniform, uniform on underneath. underneath. And the coach called me in, man, I wasn't ready to go in, you know. But here it is, we're talking about being proactive. Where it's like I was, I knew I would get in at one point, but I just wasn't ready. wasn't ready, you know, I mm-hmm. wasn't ready. So we're saying in this case, you know, you've said you want to play, you right. said you want to get in the game. Start practicing for when you do get in the game because you're gonna get your opportunity. You'll get there. Look, man, secret number two is. You got to flex your style. Yep. I mean, look, it goes back to the, the three little bears syndrome that you were talking about, Keith, mm-hmm. right? And um, unfortunately, you have to adapt, you know, you have to be adept to like code switching. Mm-hmm. I know we may not like, we don't that like we it. we have to do it. Yep, but it's a survival mechanism. But you better learn how to do it, right? You no, know, learn how to, to dial up or dial down depending on the situation until your organization can truly appreciate what you bring to the table. Yeah. We didn't write the rules. We didn't write the rules. Okay. We didn't write the rules. We're just telling you what they are. Yeah. You can figure out how to play them yourself. Yep. Because it'd be totally different if we were in charge. But it, <laughs> right. this is part of the game that you at least have to play in the short term. Exactly. Uh, to get ahead. So secret number three, we talked about this solidarity. You got to team up with your black employees. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's power in numbers, as they always say. There's a rich history of AAPI and black people teaming up to fight for change, and we just got to continue that. So as an employee, I beg of you to find connection points with your black colleagues in your organization to advance these common interests. You know, things such as mentoring and sponsorship programs. Uh, inclusive diversity programming, leadership development types of things, promotions, equal pay. You know, there's so many things that we could team up on together and, and make a difference. Uh, again, the game is to keep us apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what the game is, <laughs> right. you know. But but again, we got to get into this. When, when, when I win, we win. Yes. <laughs> you know, we got to, like, keep working that piece out. So I love that. I love that uh, secret, Keith. Secret number four is, again, make space for your mental health. We talk mm-hmm. about this so much that I think it, it becomes um, cliche, yes. you know, to some point or to some degree. But it's true. You got to recognize that being the model minority is bullshit. Right. It is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, total, there's no such bullshit. thing as the model. Okay. Yeah, right. It's like when someone says you're a credit to your race, right. they're actually talking slick. Right. Okay. They that are. is actually a derogatory term. It is. It's you know racist as hell. Yeah. That's like, we talked is. about these microaggressions. You know, that's what that is. So, the strain of living up to false standard can cause harm, okay, leading to feeling of uh, inadequacy, um, high levels of stress, anxiety, burnout, and then let's not even talk about the the coronary disease that it can cause, like the hypertension that can cause strokes. That's right. Like all these other things. We talk about all those seven factors that that pop up. Exactly. So again, uh, make, make space. Make Put space. Your mental health. Take Please shit do. serious. Take it serious. Take it serious. And, you know, we promised a double dose today. So we really want to now pivot and talk about what organizations can do to support AAPI employees. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that organizations can do 
is actually acknowledge these leadership gaps in your organizations for API uh, employees and find ways to center their experiences, right? Center their experiences, appreciate their the different communication styles, appreciate Asian culture in your diversity and inclusion and equity inclusion programs, you know, and really just re- change your frame. You're going to have to reconsider what is the definition of good leadership and recognize the unconscious bias that may be present in your culture, right? So it isn't all about, hey, everybody has to be loud and demonstrative and all of those things to be a good leader. There's a lot of quiet leaders. Yeah. I mean, I think, are we looking at the results? Right. Are we looking at how many people are they promoting? Are we looking at, you know, what what their succession plans look like? Are they diverse? Like all of those things. So again, we're talking, we're asking you as corporate leaders to acknowledge these leadership gaps and to be proactive and to create sustainable change, you know, for these things. Right. The next, uh, um, bit of advice, you know, or a secret that I would, uh, would, um, provide for an organization is, you know, provide mentorship and sponsorship opportunities for AAPI employees. In the, in the U S most AAPI people are first generation immigrants. Okay. So again, you know, as our brother TK was telling us at one point, these are first generation, like, corporate America, yeah, you know, yeah. folks do. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you know That's what I'm right. saying? Like mm-hmm. these are first generation corporate America people too. So there's a lack of access to natural mentors, like things that come, you know, as a result of them being in here, we have to be, we have to do something, you know, extraordinary to try to, 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 to gauge those individuals and set them up for success. Yet we know that having mentorship and sponsorship is critical advance. I mean, we talked about this and there's plenty Blitz. of, of, of there's receipts. so much research to show on this. That, right. So we're saying be intentional, corporate America, be intentional about the mentorship and sponsorship opportunities for AAPI employees. Yeah. And building on that, the third secret is you're going to have to make space. You're going to have to make space for your AAPI employees to be able to show up. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the affinity groups are, are amazing. But you, then you also have to engage with those groups. It's not right. just setting them up. You're going to have to be, you know, really proactive about engaging with those groups and int- intentionally seeking feedback and input from these employees if you really want to move the needle at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can't keep talking about it. Like we right. talked about it earlier where folks are now start, people are calling KP and I about asking what should we do about certain situations. Well, number one, people ask you for your receipts. Right. That's right. <laughs> I want to see like, the data. What yeah, is, yeah. What's going on yeah, in this house? What, what are you right. doing? We're talking about mentoring and sponsoring people who don't look like you. We're talking about promoting people who don't look like you and That's hiring right. people who don't look like and you. And what does a paycheck look like? Exactly. So people want to know, you know what that is. And I think lastly, man, it's just, just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. And I'm not Spike Lee talking about this. I'm just talking right. about, you know, we just talked about We just talked about this. You know, the, the, the corporate America struggle between doing the right thing or doing the white thing. Yes. Right? Do the right thing. I mean, lean in. Recognize and promote AAPI employees. We just talked about it. Strengthen yes. your internal pipeline. Provide leadership development opportunities by building awareness of cultural differences and context and different leadership styles. Like, yeah. 
Keith was just talking about this, but we're, we're bringing it back again because it's important. This is a part of it. So it. it really is not rocket science. We're trying to give it to you. Now you just have to do it. Train the rest of the organization to unlearn harmful stereotypes and just hold people accountable just for doing the right thing. Like do the right thing. It's, it's really easy. And to do the wrong thing, like it takes time. It yes. takes a coordinated effort to do the wrong thing. That's right. That's <laughs> you know right. It saying? does. It, it, takes, it takes more there. time to do the wrong thing than to do just what you're supposed yes, to right. do the right thing. No doubt. No doubt. And as we wrap up today's episode, we, as always, we want to give our love and appreciation to all y'all out there who are listening in. And if you want to find out more about what we are talking about today in terms of secrets or receipts, just go to our website, secret.com and look in those show notes for each episode. We provide lots of links to other resources where you can get yourself up to speed. Yeah. And again, if you like, you know what, Keith and I have been giving to you. I mean, again, we talked about 35 episodes, right? Yeah. So it's a whole bunch of fire doing out it. there. We're doing it. I don't we got know a this, lot more for you. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if this can be put out or extinguished just yet, right? But but here's how you can help your brothers out. You know, again, try our coaching services. I mean, we have more than enough business, you know, with the coaching services, and we are ready, you know, to continue helping you all. And, and if you want to have us uh, speak or do a workshop at your organization, we can do that for you too. Follow us on LinkedIn. We're always posting interesting articles, blogs, news celebrating underrepresented employees. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's We're trying we to do. uplift this community. We're trying to like build our village and get it right. But again, stock up on that merchandise, right? We got yeah, yeah. We got some some stuff out there that you see now for you know mental health awareness uh, month. We got some stuff out there for the AKAs that we had put out there. Like and look, I know we got some folks mad because we didn't have anything out there for the deltas or for this that, and the other. We we coming with it, you okay. know. So so make sure that uh, you hit up some of that merch and uh, and and look for some of those new designs that we have for uh, Black Heritage uh, and also the LGBTQ Pride gear too. And lastly, become a Patreon member for us, a patron for us for uh, Secrets. We're planning to launch some very very special features. We're really just trying to fine tune a few things right now to be able to give that to you. But if you one of the few, you know, that can uh, that that joins the uh, our, uh, that becomes a patron on there, we're going to have some treats, you know, for you, right? So so definitely uh, get in there and do that for us. No doubt. And as we close out the month of May, you know, celebrating our AAPI brothers and sisters, uh, we encourage everyone uh, to take care of your mental health. This is also Mental Health Awareness Month, so take care of that mental health and just keep praying that George Floyd didn't die, die in vain, right, as we celebrate Absolutely. the one-year one anniversary of, of his passing. And while we get back to our cocktail, let's keep pushing to make our workplaces better for everyone out there. And again, before we sign off, as we've been doing the last few weeks, we want to remind everyone to go out and get that vaccine. Get, get that it. shot. Get it. Get that shot. Let's do our part to t get out of this pandemic. So thanks for joining us on Secrets Today. And remember, when we share, you transform. We out. Peace. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. 
Don't forget to tune in next time for more hot fire. Until then, cheers.